Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Time once again for another guest to join me and select their Dream 15. And this week's guest is a man who's used to selecting a side or two, having coached all over the world, including stints with Namibia, Leeds, Scarlets and Cardiff Blues. Uh, it's, of course, Phil Davis, the former Wales athlete, second row. Had a chat with Phil last week and really, really enjoyed it. He's such a, an incredibly nice bloke and... Uh, I even had to keep him waiting for half an hour while I was stuck on a a conference call with work and didn't bat an eyelid, was completely understanding and again, just testament to to what a thoroughly nice guy he is. I had a really enjoyable chat with him as he selected his side and uh, yeah, it also means that uh, the attacking scrum uh, invitational 15 is uh, is looking a bit stronger. This is the side that I've got made up of all the guests who have joined us in the past, and uh, that only leaves one link, one weak link now, and that's me in the second row. But at least I've got Phil Davis in there to to boost it up. Uh, so yeah, hopefully you really enjoy this episode. Look forward to hearing your feedback, and of course a big thanks once again to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to uh, stock up on some great quality coffee, you can do that at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. Have a look, you won't be disappointed. Right, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Dream 15. They'll run, I'm sure. Far Jones. Dulow. There's Rush. Rush with the dummy hold. Now Neil back, his support outside. Joe Stanley, wide out is Campisi. Campisi floats it over the head, back inside. Far Jones for the corner and Phil Davis rounds it off. Welcome to another episode of Dream 15 by the Attacking Scrum. You'll know the format by now. Each week I'm joined by a different guest to talk us through a team that they have selected made up of their favourite players of all time. It might be the best, it might just be their favourites, but I'm delighted to say that joining me for this episode uh, is former Wales forward, uh, fantastic coach as well, Phil Davis. How are you doing, Phil? I'm good, Jed. Thanks. Yeah, very well indeed. Thank you. You? Yeah, good. Thanks. It's great to have you on. Obviously, you've uh, you. you've, 
you've been coaching for a, for a very long time now, and you will have had many a selection dilemma across the, across that period of time. How do they compare to to selecting your <laughs> dream fifteen? It was it was very. Um, yeah, I decided in the end just to sort of pick players. I've been very fortunate to either play with or coach over the last thirty odd years. Um, I think it's thirty five years actually. So you know, I was very very lucky and uh, had a wonderful uh, time trying to do so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was it was it was amazing. You know, some really. Interesting, iconic uh, names that people will recognise, and maybe one or two people won't recognise, but they all—they've all had a, had, a, had a sort of massive impact on, on my on my playing and coaching career. So it's I think been a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. I think that's been the beauty of doing these. Actually, is is you know some some guys have gone down the approach of uh, you know picking the world beaters. You pick Dan Carter and Richie McCaw, and others have gone for these kind of cult heroes who perhaps are names that uh, that have been uh, have been a little bit forgotten. So it's been wonderful kind of trawl down memory lane. So uh, we've really enjoyed doing these. I can't wait to hear your side. So let's uh, let's jump straight into it, and uh, we'll start with Lucid Prop. Lucid Prop, right? I'll. I'll... I've played, you know, when I when obviously back when I played initially, Jeff Whitefoot was in the Welsh team playing with Cardiff. You know, we had Ricky Evans, Anthony Buchanan playing with Leslie, uh, and then a couple of guys. You know, I've coached. You know, Mike Shelley was a real stalwart at Leeds. Justin Thomas at the Scarlets, but Gethin Jenkins has got my vote as as a loose end because you know he was. Uh, one of, if not the brightest rugby players I've ever been involved with as a player or a coach. Such a uh, an in-depth knowledge of the game, and a, you know, a little bit ahead of his time as well in the way that he thinks and and uh, and applies himself to the game. I know he's coaching now, and I think he'd be a hell of a coach. So, you know, some great players there, but you know, Gethin for me was you know was one of the was the loose end that sticks out for me really over those thirty odd years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. I think everyone who we've spoken to has considered Gethin, and you know, people like me who didn't pick him, we were kind of going out of our way to not pick him because he's just he is that that iconic a, a, a player in Wales. And and you're right, ahead of his time, and and such a clever player. But I'm interested there, obviously, with you. You know, we haven't done as much coaching as you have. For for a layman like me, you know, you look at Gethin Jenkins, you think he'd make a fantastic coach. You'll obviously, you know, you will know him a lot better than we do. What is it that will that he'll be able to bring above and beyond just the you know the, the skills that he has as a player? I think you know, apart you know his game sense. Again, if that makes sense, <laughs> he was just you know he he would be he would be sort of reading a game maybe uh, you know two or three phases ahead of other people, you know. Um, you know, he'd be, you know, he'd be instructing people to get into positions, uh, you know, that were covering things that were about to happen rather than things that were happening. You know, I'm not saying he had a crystal ball. I'm just, I'm, you know, he, he had a really, you know, a strong game sense, uh, you know, on the field, you know, in terms of decision making and and his communication, you know, uh, with 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 his teammates was 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 pretty good. He could be pretty robust. You know, I think everybody's seen the last dance very recently with Michael Jordan, you know. Uh, and, you know, Gethin was that type of player, from my experience with him at the Blues, where he'd really push, uh, you know, really, really high standards. So, you know, that, that shone through, 
you know, because he had such a long career. And I think that's what will help him when he coaches, his understanding, uh, you know, of the game, uh, and particularly the intensity of the game, uh, you know, in the modern era. Well, it's a it's a fantastic pick, and uh, it's a real kind of a real big hit to to get going with. We kind of think of this uh, as this show is a bit like Desert Island Discs, but for rugby. And and Gethin Jenkins is probably like your, you know he's like your, your Beethoven or Bach or something, which is probably the first time he's been compared to those. But he's uh, he's an absolute wonderful uh, wonderful player and a great pick. Uh, right, let's move on to Hooker. Again, Flippenek, this was a this was a tough one because you know back back in the day in Tennessee, you know, I played with you know with with Di Fox there, Kerry uh, Kerry Tungley, Andrew Lamerton, some great players, and Garen Jenkins, of course, you know Billy James, uh, you know when, when I played for Wales, and Garen was an amazing player, Garen Jenkins, great character, and, and what a player. Uh, but I've gone, you know, and I've played with Brian Moore as well, the old English, you know, ex-English hooker, uh, you know, Coach Gordon Bullock, Coach Matthew Reese, uh, Smiler again, an amazing character, uh, tough man. But I've gone for Mark Reagan, England, British Lions, Ooh. a guy coached up in Leeds actually, as um, he was, he was, a, he was a character, Ronnie, that's for sure, but. The job he, you know, he 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 had a massive impact on our team when we brought him to Leeds, and he was very instrumental in, you know, in in gluing the boys together when we when we when we had a Heineken, uh, sorry, when we had well, yeah, when we had a Heineken Cup run, but also when we when we won the Powergen Cup. So, as a as an influencer in a group and a character in the group, you know. And and a, and a real tough nut as a rugby player, you know. Mark is Mark was he, he was a top player. And he a, and a top he always strikes me as one of those players that would be top of the list of players you wouldn't want to play against. If you see what I mean, like he's he's got so much niggle and hard work in him that he must be an absolute nightmare to play against. And one of those players you you know you'd you'd love to play with. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All great players, so blessed to have played or coached them. But he was—he he, he holds a record. Okay, he's not short to telling people it, mind. But every every club, you know, obviously played at Bath, played at played at um, played at Bristol, played at Leeds. Uh, but any of the any of his old clubs, when he when he went back there with his new club, he never lost uh, to any of his former clubs playing for his his. His, uh, his current club, if, if 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 you understand what I mean, he's hell of a record that. But yeah. uh, and that must be a nice feeling as well. Always, uh, yeah, going going back to your old team and, and coming away with a win every time. Yeah, we, we had a massive game back in the day at Bath, and you know it was the year we won the Power Gen Cup and we won nine straight games in the Premiership, and we were twelfth at Christmas, and everybody was saying, "Well, you're going to go down, you're going to go down." But Ronnie had a huge belief about him, and we ended up finishing eighth in the division that year. And our final game was in Bath, uh, and he's very respectful, you know, after the games. But you know, uh, to, you know, uh, uh, to the club he had previously been at. But uh, I was a massive influence for our team. And, uh, I love coaching him. What a character! What a character! Right. So, Gethin Jenkins and Mark Regan uh, at number one and two. Who completes the front row? Um, again, you know, I played with some great tight deads. You know, when I first got in the Welsh team, Stuart Evans was there, Ian Eidman from Cardiff, Stuart Evans from Swansea. 
uh, Lawrence Delaney, you know, we played at, at Llanelli with Sean Gale, lots of, you know, great guys. Um, Gavin Kerr, Scottish international at, at, at Leeds. Uh, but Tavita Tamiapau was a tight end that I coached in Worcester when I was there with Richard Hill, the ex-Welsh come off, uh, Welsh come off, English come off, English captain. And and we 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 took over after my Grinnock left actually, uh, and got them promoted in the first year, and then we sustained the position of Premiership in the second year, which is what they wanted at that time. And Tavita played, you know, we played at the World Cup for Tonga, played many tests for Tonga, but he was one of the strongest men I've ever, you know, coached or been involved with. Faufili was another one at at Cardiff Blues, an amazing man. Uh, and a player, but Tavita technically and um, for raw strength, he was he was incredible. Um, he was incredible. I remember one day playing at six ways against Gloucester in the Premiership, and Nick Wood was playing for Gloucester. It was pretty uh, well-renowned prop in the Premiership uh, in those days, and Tavita, you know, absolutely, you know, put him through a tumble dryer type of thing. You know, he absolutely. Uh, dominated him, and uh, he, he was, he's my tight end pick, one of the strongest men I've I've ever worked with, coaching or playing with. You know, they must be uh, yeah, having having players like that in your in your squad. It must be almost tempting to be the first name on the the team sheet when you you've got someone who can just give you such set piece dominance. Oh, incredible, I, I, incredible! And at the time in Worcester, we had Phil Larder, who was a you know worked with Clive Woodward at uh, you know when England won the World Cup in two thousand three, and Phil was our defence coach, and you know all the, a, a lot of the defensive patterns were about looking after Tavita uh, in the defensive line because he was so so important in the scrum. We were always trying to get him as near as we could to the ruck at times. You know, he's a bit dominant around there, but maybe not so dominant. Out in the wider areas, but um, oh, I was, was and a character. They loved this coffee. Him um, and a guy called Alecky Latui. He was a hooker for Tonga and hooker for Worcester at the time. And I used to have a regular Wednesday morning coffee with the two of them and chat to them. You know, they come as a pair. The two of them, you know, <laughs> but characters, brilliant, brilliant, great guy. Fantastic. So it's Tavita Tamiapai makes up the uh, makes up the front row. Let's uh, let's move into position you'll know a lot about in the second row. What uh, what were you looking at here? A bit of a balance of a of a workhorse and an athlete. What's your what's your thought process for the second yeah, row? Um, two 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 athletes, uh, but you know. Two athletes with with big work rates, mm. uh, particularly one of them. You know, again, I, I've been so lucky to you know to play with Phil May at Clancy, Tony Copsey, you know Gareth Llewellyn. You know when we when we played um, when we played for Wales together. Um, I think uh, I think a Worcester where Greg Rawlinson was an All Black, terrific player, tough man. Craig Gillies played at Worcester, played at Llanelli, uh outstanding line-out exponent. But the, the the two second rows, really, Tom Palmer's one, who played for me at Leeds, came as a 17-year-old and left 10 years later, went on to play for Wasps, win, winning the Heineken Cup, the Premiership, went to start France, now, now coaching out in France, actually, with Richard Hill in Rouen, in Pro de Deux. Uh, he played, was a, played for England as well, didn't he, Tom? I think played for England, sent your caps for England. 
Um, you know, great player, great guy, great lad, comical, good, good man, great man. Uh, amazing work rate, good line of forward, but you know, worked hard, great defender. I remember his debut for Leeds uh, against Harlequins, and I remember Will Greenwood coming back on on a switch, if you like, when we played Harlequins uh, in a cup match, and Palmer absolutely levelled him. And he was only, I think he was 19 at the time, and we all looked at each other and thought, this kid, technically an outstanding rugby player. Uh, uh, great ta- great technician in the line-out, as I say, and a great defensive technician, tackle technique, you know, equivalent to the likes of Warburton, uh, you know, in the modern game, you know, outstanding player, really. Um, and the number five is Robert Norster, uh, oh, who I yeah. played with for Wales, you know, the Norse British Lion, uh, tremendous guy. Uh, he, he, you know, we used to take used to take up a lot of mirror time prior to the game, make sure his headband was right. But uh, a great guy, brilliant, real, you know, real statesman, fantastic guy, uh, great player, great team manager for Wales back in the day. Uh, you know, but he was a real athlete as well, good line out forward. Um, you know, and uh, those two really are the second rows: Tom Palmer uh, and Bob Norster. So you know, one England international, one Welsh international. There we go. Yeah, that's uh, again. That's the that's the beauty of this Dream Fifteen is you don't have to worry about any uh, any international rivalries. It's like pulling on a Barbar's shirt or a or a British and Irish Lions shirt. So right, that's the that's the tight five. Let's uh, let's move on to the back row. And again, what are you looking for here? Is it you know we always talk about balance in the back row. Is it a, a mixture of fetches and uh, fetches and big ball carrying eight. What, what have you gone for here, Phil? Yeah, really, you know, ball carrier, ball carriers and work rate, really. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've been, you know, so, so blessed in this area. It's incredible. Um, that's why I started my career as number eight, obviously. But, you know, number six, you know, I played at, again at Clashley with Gary Jones from Ponapreed, right? Eight or a ten boomer. Always give you you know, consistent performer, incredible, really. You know, Emma Lewis, Taro the Bull, he, you know, he was an outstanding, you know, player. Martin Morris had played from Neath, played for Wales with him. Um, but, and coached, you know, some 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 great number sixes as well. But Mark Perigo gets my vote there. Uh, you know, my, my youngest daughter's godfather and, uh, you know, sometimes he was a bit like Lord Lucan. Uh, you could never find him, but you know he, he used to have his sabbaticals from the game. But you know he would have, you know, if he'd have had a consistent run at rugby, he'd have been an all-time great. I'm sure he is. His footballing skills, his tackle technique, um, you know, his work rate was phenomenal. Um, so he's he's you know he's my sort of number six. Phil, do you know what? I think this is. Um, I think you might be the tenth guest we've had on to do this. And you're the third person to pick Mark Perigo, which when you think about all, you know, all the, all the back row forwards in the history of rugby, there is obviously something about Perigo that just resonates with people, you know, whether, whether you played with him like yourself or, or um, it's fans watching him from the terrace, there is obviously something that, that caught the imagination about the way Perigo played. Oh, he, he, he was, we used to, his mum, God bless her, she's, she's, um, passed away now but she used to live in Pembrey on top of the mountain and we used to Mark was obviously living there back in the day and we used to 
we used to go down. Uh, I used to drive down, and we used to go running down in Pembroke Country Park with his with his axe. And we used to uh, part of our training was chop. Well, the trees were were, were 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 felled, but part of it was chopping those felled trees up into smaller into smaller pieces, if you like. And that was that was part of our functional strength training, if you like, back in the day and running. And I oh, he, he was an amazing player. Great character, uh, very intelligent guy. You know, we joined the police force together. He stayed a bit longer than I did. Then he, you know, he's joined the fire brigade, fire service. Um, he's still in there, I think. I haven't seen him for a while, actually. But, um, you know, great, great guy all round and, uh, you know, uh, a fantastic rugby player who who should have had more caps, who should have, you know, been a British lion. But there's a lot of could have, should have type of thing, you know. But uh, amazing, amazing player. Yeah, and clearly, uh, yeah, clearly a massive, uh, a massive cult hero, Mark Perigo. Right, who's uh, who's joining him in the back row then? Well, number seven again. You know, um, played played with David Pickering. You know, uh, back in the day for Wales, played with Lynn Jones. Lynn Jones, a brilliant player. Lynn Jones, you know, just in typical of, of our day, mm. I would say, uh, incredibly creative footballer and, and a brilliant coach nowadays. Um, uh, you know, Justin Tipperick, of course, Pat Sanderson, who was captain of England at one stage, coached him in uh, in um, uh, up in uh, up in Worcester. Josh Navidi is an under twenty international. Tipperick is an under twenty international. But the number seven for me is going to be Warburton. Really, um, you know, British Lion Welsh captain, fantastic individual, one of the most professional rugby players I've ever coached. Um, very diligent, you know, both on and off the field in his preparation, um, in the way he applied himself on the field. So, Warby's my uh, my number seven, and he'll be the captain of this team, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's um, uh, I mean. I'm not going to talk about Sam Warburton too much because anyone who's listened to this before, you know, they they know just how you know he's he's just such a such a hero to me, and we were lucky enough to to have Sam on as well, and and you know they're a thoroughly nice bloke with it. But um, yeah. you mentioned there, you know, selecting him as um, as your captain. I suppose the the example we've always seen as Sam is he's more of a like a, a lead by example captain rather than a you know a big fire and brimstone type. Um, Figure is is that kind of a, is that the the right assessment of uh, of Sam as a captain? Yeah, he's 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 a very he's a very intelligent rugby player. He's a good feel for the game. Obviously, developed under Warren as a captain and has got a good feel for the game. Outstanding the way he managed referees. You know, really really good. Um, you know, you think back to when the Lions drew the series in two seventeen yeah. in New Zealand. You know, a lot of that had to do with Sam's cool head and. And, and and understanding of what was required at that particular time to manage the referee, you know, he was he was really good at having a good feel for the for the game and also uh, and what it needed, you know, as I say in relationships with referees, but also around the breakdown, you know, he, his decision making there was one of the best I've 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 seen in the modern era, in particular. Um, you know, he'd, he'd very rarely make bad decisions at the breakdown. Uh, and he normally gets some really, you know, crucial turnovers. So he, he, you know, he's a he's a fantastic player. You know, not just a, a really good ambassador, but on the field, he had a great understanding of what was required, whether dealing with teammates, mates, whether he's making decisions on on on, the, you know, in his own game, on his own role. 
uh, and also, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, one of the best captains, uh, you know, in terms of uh, working with referees as well. And he's taken, obviously, you know, a, um, a role with the, the national side now as a, you know, a, an advisory coaching role. How uh, how do you see Sam going in in that position that he's got? Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll definitely put a lot of effort into it. That's for sure. And you know, his experience, um, you know, and his and his work ethic, and you know, his is his analytical understanding of the game. I think will you know will go a long way to make him you know to make him a coach if you know I make him an outstanding coach if that's what he decides to do long term you know. Excellent, right? Well, yeah, definitely no arguments from uh, from me on that pick at seven. Uh, what about number eight? <laughs> again, obviously, it's, another position you know very well yourself. Uh, it, it again, you know, um, Paul Moriarty, Stuart Davis, boys I played against, played with for Wales. Terrific players, uh, Muzz Paul in particular. I know is you can see you know where Ross gets his uh, <laughs> gets his attributes from his dad and his uncle. But Paul, you know Richard as well was a great player I played with um, for Wales, captain of the first World Cup team in in uh, back in 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 eighty seven. So you know some great players. Julian Williams, very underrated player at the Scarlets, a brilliant footballer. Julian policeman for. Over twenty odd years in in Clonesley. Uh, you know, Toby Falatau was somebody we coached in the under twenties. Um, Zach Fonati was a Samoan guy I coached at Leeds. Big bear of a man, really, really powerful. But Quinnell is my pick as eight. Uh, Scott Quinnell um, came in Clonesley as a youngster. Um, great character, world class in his day, unstoppable, really carrying the ball. You know, we've seen some brilliant ball carriers over the time. Uh, you know, Wayne Shelford was one, you know, you talk about some of the big French eights of the late 80s, 90s. Brilliant ball carriers. Uh, you know, Rodriguez was in there, Session. But Quinnell, you know, Delalio was a great number eight. But Quinnell was, you know, was world-class. So when you look at that back row of Perigo, Warburton, work rate, decision-making, aggression. And then you've got Quinnell ball carrying aggression, talisman really, you know, that try he scored against uh, France in 1994 uh, was, you know, put him on the map, didn't it really? And, you know, he's grown ever since and big player, big personality, great guy. You're, you're right, that try obviously put him put him on the map and uh, and not long afterwards he, you know, kind of headed north. Um, I think what's so incredible with, uh, with Scott Cornell as well is that when he when he came back, you know, he he had as big an impact, if not a bigger impact, uh, than he had when he left. You know, wherever he was playing, he had just had such a huge, a uh, huge presence. Whether that was for Wales, for Lesley, for Scarlets, for for Wigan, for uh, for Richmond. You know, whenever he pulled on that for the Lions, whenever he pulled on that eight jersey, uh, it just it just you just felt like you were in you were in safe hands. You know, if he was on the pitch. Oh yeah, he was. Uh, he was. You know, uh, he, uh, people talk a lot about presence in life, and um, you know, particularly in sport. And you know, Scott had huge presence um, on and off the field, but you know, particularly on 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 the field. And you know, I still you know remember that. Uh, I think I was in Leeds at the time in two thousand one when he scored that uh, try. I think it was the second test against Australia for the Lions. 
and he's just putting the ball down and just nodding his head uh, as if to say, told you. <laughs> it's one of those great images, isn't it? Because yeah, he's got a proper schoolboy grin on at the time. And uh, yeah, I think it, it reflected how everyone everyone back home watching was was feeling, you know, that kind of, it, it, you know, he kind of played rugby the way that, the way that, um, the way that you played it as a kid, you know, a, a smile on his face and bags of enthusiasm. Absolutely, absolutely. Good stuff. So it's not a bad pack, that. Good ball yeah. winning, good set piece, good ball winning, huge work rate. So I, I'll have a go, I think. That'll that's be all a, right. that's a, that is a proper coach's pack there, Phil. You've given it, you've given it a lot of thought, I can tell. And we're looking forward to hearing uh, who's going to be joining them in the backs. And we're going to do that after this very, very short break. Right, Phil Davis, you have picked a very mean pack and uh, it should free up plenty of ball for a uh, for a back division. I'm very intrigued to see what you're going for here, whether we've got sidesteppers and, uh, and and running fly halves or are you, are you going for a more pragmatic, uh, kick the leather off the ball type halfbacks. Let's uh, let's start with number nine and, and see uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah, no, we've we've looked at we've looked at a bit of balance um, in, in in the back line. We got some mercurial talent. We got some amazing competitors. We got arguably two of the the best goal kickers in the world over the past um, uh, 15, 20 years, maybe. So yeah, it's, it's a good balance to it. So scrum off is again flipping heck. I when I started when I started thinking about this, I was I was in a bit of dreamland thinking of some of the players I played with and coached. And, you know, when I, my first cap with Terry Holmes, you know, uh, oh, my, first, wow. my first two caps, actually, then he went north. And uh, what, a, what a player. I remember him giving uh, giving um, Nigel Melville's, the England scrum half of that day, Terry swapped his jersey with Nigel. And he said, look, you keep yours and, and you can have this one. As, so I, had, I kept my own first Welsh jersey, my number eight shirt, and uh, he gave me his... Um, his England shirt, so very grateful. He was a guy. What a you know tough, uh, uncompromising player, passer. You know, ugh, just you know, not far behind Gareth Edwards. Really, you know, he, well, he more or less took over from him, didn't he? So you know, Terry Holmes. You know, uh, I played a Rupert Moon at the Scarlets. You know, Jonathan Griffiths, Robert Jones for Wales. You know, Coach Dwayne Peel. You know, at the Scarlets, Sean Perry was an England international in Worcester. Um, you know, played with Nick Farr Jones for the Barbers. Um, you know, played with Pierre Babizier, the French scrum half out in South Africa for a World Fifteen. Just incredible players. But my my the scrum half I've gone for Justin Marshall. I only coached him for a year at Leeds, but he was one of the most competitive individuals I've ever been been around uh, in my life. Um, his, his half-back partners are pretty mean competitors as well, by the way, but he was, you know, uh, incredible, incredible scrum off, uh, great personality, a bit larger than life, you know, not a bad commentator, no, actually, but a pretty good one. Uh, so with all those players, Terry Holmes was, you know, could have picked any of them really, but the reason for Marshall, such a competitor, you know, you don't get 81 caps for the All Blacks if you don't know what you're doing type of thing, you know. So yeah. his longevity as well and uh, his success with New Zealand, his success with Super Rugby with the Crusaders, so great player. 
I mean, that 81 caps is incredible when you think about it because the era that he was playing was before, you know, you had 10, 12 internationals a season. And also, you know, towards the end of his career, like you said, he came and played in England, he played in Wales. So to have 81 caps during that period of time he was playing, it just meant, that, again, he was he was virtually undroppable. Yeah, he was. And, and in Leeds, you know, flipping egg will be tight if you wanted to rest him or you took him off before the end of the game I think you know I think other coaches who've, who've coached him and I've chatted to them about you know he he didn't understand that he wanted to play every minute of every single game but a nice guy character you know lovely family uh, Nicole and his two boys great great uh, good man great player fantastic right and who's uh, what are the options at, uh, at outside half alongside Justin Marshall well, play again, you know, played at Canessi with, with, with Gary Pierce. Uh, Kevin Thomas, a really talented fly half. Not many people might know Kev, but very talented cricketer, great all rounder. Played, uh, you know, in the early 80s with him down in, down in Canessi. Very talented. Neil Jenkins, of course, brilliant. Uh, but Jonathan Davis has got to have my, uh, my brother in law. He's got to have his, he's got to be the number 10. Uh, you know, brilliant. Uh, union player, arguably even better rugby league player, legend in rugby league, legend in both codes, you know. So he's my he's my my ten. You know, he can beat people in a phone box with a sidestep. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, when I'm growing up watching rugby, um, I I don't remember him playing union first time round. I remember it when he came back and, and played for Cardiff, but I remember watching him play league because again, my brother just just said, you know, you have to watch this guy play, and he, you know, my, my brother had no interest in league, but he just he had such a, such an obsession with the the Welsh players who'd moved there, who'd moved up north, and it, it was it was absolutely incredible. It's not just the the ability to beat a player with a sidestep that that pace just carries on going. It's not just quick off the mark. He just seems to get quicker and quicker and quicker. But I think you particularly notice that when he's playing league. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've seen some of the tries he scored, you know, in Australia, for example. Yeah. Well, incredibly, you know, he'd sidestep, he'd break that first line of defence, uh, you know, just outside his own 22 and he's gone. Uh, and, he, you know, he's scoring. And, you know, arguably the f- most famous try was when he scored a Wembley against... Um, you know, Australia, against the yeah. Kangaroos and, you know, when he rounded Brett Mullins and that is no mean feat for sure. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, I was, you know, very lucky. You know, I, I coached Andy Good at uh, Goody X, England, Leicester, fly half at Worcester and he was a really talented rugby player, great tactician, understood the game, very good goal kicker. So, again, I've been so blessed to be involved with so many top players and, you know, more importantly, top blokes over the time, you know, but he's, he stands out. You talk about world-class and match winners, there's your man. Yeah, he's certainly that. Right, let's uh, let's have a look at the outside back. Shall we start with the wingers? Yeah, wingers, you know, gone for, you know, power in one and, you know, fleet of foot, try scoring in, 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 in the other, but, you know, the power scores as well, by the way. But, you know, again, uh, going back to Clashley with Carwin Davis, Back in the day, brilliant left foot sidestepper. God bless him. He's no longer with us. But, you know, we had Glenn Webb, you know, uh, played for Wales with Glenn, yeah. came to the first World Cup. Brilliant player, powerful, strong, flipping neck character, Glenn. Uh, David James at Clashley, you know, I think he's still the Heineken Cup uh, highest, uh, you know, point scorer, you know, and many, 
you know, many more, I'm sure. But Andre Schneeman gets my vote as the left winger. Played played centre, fifty odd caps for the Springboks. Played in Leeds. Currently coaching back in Yorkshire, actually, um, uh, at Millow School in Doncaster. Coaching Huddersfield Rugby Union next year as well. So he, you know, he's he's one of two Springboks in the team, actually. Um, yeah, so Andre Schneeman's eleven. Uh, number 14, Mark Jones, again, I've coached now uh, for the Scarlets, great try scorer for Wales, uh, now coaching the Crusaders, actually, in Super Rugby. Right, Tom yeah. G- yeah, Tom James, great winger uh, in, in the Blues. I used to love watching Tom when he was in full fight. What a player. Great step, great speed, strength, you know. Um I mean, Marcel Garvey, who was another winger, actually. He was at Gloucester for a while. Rapid, like, wasn't he? Absolutely yeah, rapid. He was rapid, uh, Marcel. Great feet, powerhouse, you know. Um, but it's got to be Ian Evans, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you know, captain of Wales 28 times, a record when he retired. And, you know, three-time British Lion. And, you know, if, if anybody remembers that Scotland game, uh, you know, back in the early 90s, I think it was, where, you know, Bill McLaren calling Merlin the magician with, you know, three or four sidesteps started in, in the five-metre channel and ends up under the post uh, with a sidestep. And so, incredible, incredible. 1998, that was actually. Incredible. Uh, Will's triple crown. Yeah, incredible. Great player. And uh, my best friend, really. Top man. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, I mean, again, I've, I've bored listeners with uh, with my stories of, of falling in love with rugby when Ian Evans scored in in '93 at um, at the Old Arms Park against England. Yeah, England. And yeah. yeah, you know, it's just it's just those magic moments that I think as um, uh, you know, as a, as a fan, they're they're the ones that really stick with you. Which is what I was going to ask you: is there is there a moment from when you were watching rugby as a kid that you kind of uh, you associate with the, the moment where you really fell in love with the game and said, "That's what I want to do." That's what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah, it was it was a couple actually. It was one, um, you know, I, I grew up watching, you know, the, the team, our team in the seventies, and I used to go down the tennis courts in Seven Sisters playing, you know, rugby after with with, with, with my mates. We used to have a big size fight, this big plastic rugby ball. Uh, so I'll, uh, yeah, and and that's that's what I grew up watching, and and one was I know this might be a bit strange, but you know Derek Quinnell's urgency to get on the field when Mervyn Davis was in Egypt yeah. against France back in the day. I think I was nineteen seventy six, maybe, uh, and and also Gareth Edwards try against Scotland. Remember when he went through the mud and he did a forward roll after he put the ball down? Another great Bill McLaren commentary, isn't it? It, it would be a miracle if he could, and he gets there and he, he looks up and his yeah. face covered, his yeah. face is there covered in mud. And and yeah, those two for not strange, but they were two iconic moments for me. And also, you know, Bill's David Parry Jones and 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 Bill McLaren in particular back in those days, they were the they were the commentators I remember. You know, and Bill was oh my word, I remember you know meeting him for the very first time, and he used to give me these high balls, he used to call them. He sort of a little bit like <laughs> the coil sweets, aren't they? Yeah, coil sweets. Oh my word, alive! They were terrible. <laughs> Bill, Bill used to like giving if they were good enough for Bill, they were good enough for me. Type of thing. But yeah, just yeah, it was it was wonderful. And, you know, I had a had a great upbringing at the club, Vincent Sisters. You know, first coach here, Morris Davis was again he's passed on now, God rest his soul. But there was him there, and there was a lot of senior players at the time in Seven Sisters. 
uh, who, were, who, were, who were brilliant and uh, gave me a real grounding and have kept me grounded ever since, really. So, yeah. Those good memories, actually. Fantastic. Well, Jan Evans, it is in the uh, in the fourteen shirt that everyone is so familiar with him wearing. Uh, what about the centres, Phil? Oh, number twelve. Well, I started off playing with Ray Gravel, would you oh, believe? Man. And he was Grav was oh, incredible. I still, I still uh, amazing man. Oh my god, I still get the hairs in the back of my neck stand up when I just even think about him. And, uh, you know, he was amazing. He was the first captain and uh, the first captain I played for when I went to Clashley as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, you know. Um, so, he, he, you know, he was he was amazing. You know, Robert Ackerman was in the Welsh team uh, as well at that time. Great, great player. Nigel Davis I played with, obviously. Great, very creative, number 12. Um, you know, I caught Jamie Roberts at the Blues, you know. JR, tremendous guy, wonderful attitude to life, but also a great rugby player, obviously, you know. Um, you know, in Worcester, we had a guy called Dale Rasmussen, tough as old boots, tough as teak, you know. New Zealander, you know, he was he was a defensive captain there. He was brilliant, uh, brilliant player. Um, with Ashley Beck, Scott Williams, coming through the 20s when we coached them, you know. Um but I've gone for Bram van Straten, another spin oh. uh, Best goal kicker, Neil Jenkins, was amazing as a kicker. Uh, who I still thinks arguably, you know, the best goal kicker ever. But he's got a lot of rivalry and Bram is, is, Bram is up there. You know, he, I remember him kicking a goal once to beat Harlequins at the stoop. And we were down 15-16 uh, uh, and he just grabbed the ball on our 10 metre line in front of the post. And I thought, what is he doing? But anyway, he put it down and he banged it over. It was still going up uh, as uh, as he was going over. And uh, I think it was Steve Lander at the time blew up and we beat Quinn's 18-16 or second year in the Premiership uh, back in 2003, I think it was. Uh, but the toughest man you'd ever meet. He'd be on crutches Monday, Tuesday. And then he'd be putting more tackles in and and, uh, and the front five then on a Saturday, as a, a front five combined. A tremendous player, just a real hard man and a wonderful person. Uh, wonderful man. Yeah, great. He's coaching EP Kings now uh, uh, and helped us, uh, helped the kickers in Namibia last year uh, prior to the World Cup, did a bit of coaching. On WhatsApp, would you believe? Uh, although he came to Namibia and coached the boys live, after that, because he was professionally coaching, he was at the Sharks then, actually, in the Super Rugby, but the boys would send him video clips on WhatsApp and then he'd do a bit of coaching afterwards, you know, critiquing their uh, their technique after he'd, after he'd worked with them uh, in Namibia. So a great man and a great right. player. You know, some, it was amazing to play and coach some great players and, you know, Gravo, Jamie, I could put it, or Nigel, put anybody in there. But Bram was a match winner and, and, and you know, had a huge impact for us in Leeds. Won us about, must have won us about 40, 50% of our games when he first came. Incredible. Okay, well, I'll leave, I'll leave it to you to explain to Jiffy that he's not taking the goal kicks as well then. But I suppose if you've got Bram van Straten in your side, there's, there's only ever going to be one goal kicker there. Correct. <laughs> right, who partners him in the centre? Um, that's Regan King. Um, Magician. Now, that guy, right, I would have paid to watch him training that fella. He is, he was 
he's still to this day one of the most incredible rugby players I've ever coached or been involved with. You know, um, you know, Mike Hall was a good player. Uh, Scott Gibbs, you know, I played with Scott. You could argue Scott was a twelve as well, uh, but I like a bit of power in. Uh, in, in 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 the thirteen channel at times, particularly with Scott, because he was so quick and nimble on his feet. You know, when that try scored against England back in nineteen ninety nine, when Scott Cornell gave much top pass. But you know, there there were some you know great players. I coached Richie Blackmore, who was a who was a Kiwi international rugby league international actually uh, in Leeds. We had Wendell Sailor up in Leeds who played thirteen a little bit for us as well. When before he before he went back. Uh, he was a rugby league player at the time, fully converted with the Wallabies. Uh, some brilliant players, but this guy, I remember. I think it was the it was the away game. We had Toulouse back to back in the in the Heineken the year we got the semi final with the Scarlets, and uh, we were down at half time. David James had scored. I think it was thirty four seventeen. I think something like that, or twenty four. No, it was thirty four. I'm pretty sure seventeen at half time. So we went in and we talked a bit. Then Regan King, and we, we came back out and actually won, won the second half, 42-odd points, scored a, scored a bonus uh, try win against Toulouse, which is pretty unheard of in those days. Uh, and Regan was amazing. Just sees things. He's a get, you know, he's, he's a similar to Gethin Jenkins. His game sense incredible. Would see space, you know, a phase in advance type of thing, you know. Uh, just a amazing player. Just a shame, you know. He'd have had a load of caps for Wales if he'd have not had that one cap for the All Blacks. <laughs> but a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant player. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, just just those those ball skills and those things he could do, uh, absolutely magical. Again, I, I suppose those those occasions where you find yourself in t- in tight spots, losing to Toulouse away, having players like that who you know can pull bits of magic out of, out of thin air. That must help as a coach. Oh, incredible. In, incredible. You know, when when you're coaching, you know, people, you know, like I mentioned previously, you know, with Falatau, Sam Orbiton, these guys, and Ronnie Regan and Andre Sneeman, you know, you you don't tell them what to do. You just, you know, provide a framework and they bring that framework to life, you know, of the way you want to play because they're so intelligent and and it's about, you know, Challenging them, obviously managing them, looking after them, and 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 giving them the confidence to you know to go out there and express themselves. And Regan was one of those guys. You don't you know he wouldn't say Buna Bar to anybody sometimes off the field unless he had a few beers in him, and he was quite talkative then. <laughs> but um, as a player, uh, you know, on the field, you just couldn't shut him up. His communication was was incredible, and. Uh, him and Stephen Jones and Gavin Evans, actually, they were the, the 10, 12, 13 of the first year in particular at the Scarlets where I coached them. You know, we went on that run in the Heineken Cup where we won, you know, seven games on the bounce and beat Munster in the quarterfinal at Stradi. Uh, those three were were mercurial, really. But Reagan, you know, he brought the creative element out and gave people confidence uh, that we could play from anywhere, you know. Yeah, well, I tell you what, this uh, you, you can imagine him making those breaks and uh, and having Yian Evans on his shoulder. You know, you're going to be you're going to be scoring some fantastic looking tries with this with this back line, I think. And then uh, one one position left, though, Phil, it's full back. Who's in the running? Yeah, well, 
Martin Gravel was a full back I played with at, at Stradi uh, back in the day, and he was one of the finest exponents of coming into the line as a full back I've ever met. His angles and timing were incredible, you know. Uh, so he's one, you know, great player. Uh, Paul Thorburn's another one I played with for Wales a lot. Paul, you know, was captain of Neath, captain of Wales, great guy. Um, uh, Thorby and Tim Stimson, you know, British lion in England, full back, Leicester, full back, broke the Scarlet's hearts once in, in the Heineken Cup semi final in the early early days of that competition. Ian Ball shows another one I coached at Leeds, uh, very talented uh, rugby player. Um, but and Lee Halfpenny is my full back again with Sam. You know, arguably, well, the two of them are the you know the the most diligent professionals I've ever coached. Uh, amazing lads off the field. They do so much for you know for the community for helping young players. I remember asking the both of them once to go to to go to the Heath to see a a terminally ill lad. You know, and they they went there and saw him and. His parents couldn't. I was amazing. You know the effect they had on the lad. He died a week later, unfortunately. But for them to give their time and go and speak to them, speak to that lad in the difficult circumstances, you know, gave a real boost to him and his family at that time, a tough time. You know, Jed. So brilliant guys. And you know, Lee again. You know, goal kicking. You got Lee. Goal kicking. You got Bram. You got Jonathan. Strong goal kicking there. <laughs> well, they could they could take it in turns by the look of it. I mean, uh, yeah, just just to, to touch on Lee Halfpenny a bit more there because again, I think you, you obviously, as you mentioned with with Warburton, I think they kind of almost um, represent like a another step up in terms of professionalism in in Welsh rugby. Those players kind of epitomise their. The, almost like the rugby obsessives, you know, people who are always striving to improve those those half a percent in their in their game just to make themselves better overall. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you got you got Alan Wynne Jones. If you look in that category, I think you got Ken Owens. Um, you know, in that category, you got Daniel Bigger in that category. You know, so it's yeah, it's it's look. There's a lot of players. I, I gave myself a strict criteria, as I said, because <laughs> I'm a huge admirer of uh, of Dan Bigger uh, and Ali Wynn and Ken Owens. I gave, you know, I remember sitting with, with Ken's father, Delmi, in in in, Kamada, in, 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 uh, in the pub, chatting about giving him his first professional contract back in the day, as I did with Johnny Fox, John Fox mm-hmm. as well, John Davis. Uh, Scott Williams, you know, John Davis, another guy we've coached, you know, what a, what a young, as a young fella, you know. Uh, so there's so many fantastic players around now who epitomise that professionalism, as you said, but I had to stay t- with the players I played or coached. Yeah. That was that was my criteria, otherwise I'd have gone. Uh, Campisi was another one on the wing, actually. Campo was another guy that I played with, was that's incredible. Um Incredible. Philippe Sellar was another centre I played with uh, for the Barbars, the French legend, you know, so, ah, incredible, incredible. Amazing names, Phil, absolutely amazing names. But this is this is the side you've gone for, and it's locked in there, there's no turning back. It's Gethin Jenkins, Mark Regan, Tavita Tamiopau, Tom Palmer, Rob Norster, Mark Perigo, Sam Warburton, captain, Scott Quinnell, and in the backs, Justin Marshall, Jonathan Davis, Andre Snowman, Bram Van Straten, Regan King, Yayan Evans, and Lee Halfpenny. That's, uh, that's, that's not a bad outfit, is it? 
I'm quite, uh, I'm quite impressed with him, and it'd be, and they'll be, they'll be wearing a jersey, right? Green, black, and red cuffs, red collar. So we got there now. We got seven sisters' colours. We got Trim Sarah, where my wife's from. Yeah. Uh, we got the red of Leslie and we got the red of Wales. So it's covering on the black of the Barbers as well. So it's covering all the teams I've uh, I've sort of uh, that are quite you know close to my heart. You know, I think you've put as much thought into the uh, into the jersey as you have into the team. I like that a lot. <laughs> and if uh, if this side could uh, could take on any team from history, who would you want them to take on? I'd like to see them. It might be a problem for Marshall, but I'd like to see them, and I may have to put Terry Holmes in there then, um, <laughs> or Dwayne Peel, actually, but I'd like to see them play against the all-black team of the late 80s, early 90s, where, where the Wetton brothers were playing, Shelford, Grand Fox, Joe Stanley, that group. They were, they were you know, Still, I believe to this day, one of the best rugby teams I've ever seen or played against, watched, you know. Um, the Aussies, oh, right. the Aussie teams of the 90s weren't bad. You know, the team we beat uh, in 93 at Clenethley, uh, 92, November 92. Uh, they were the current world champions at the time, the Wallabies there with John Eels and Nick Farr-Jones involved. They were pretty good, but, but that team, going on to my playing days in that respect, they were pretty special at that team that won the first World Cup and carried on, you know, for quite a number of years after. They, they were pretty special, but I'd like to see this team have a go at them, actually. All right, that's perfect. Right, they will take on the, the 1987 World Cup winning all-black side. And, uh, yeah, it just gives uh, one, fi- one final question then. If this game could take place at any ground from, uh, from around the world, past or present, which, uh, which ground would you like it to take place at? Oh, it's got to be... Uh, Stradley Park would be close, but it wouldn't be big enough. Uh, it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, the National Stadium as it was in my day, yeah. Millennium Stadium, the Principality, best best stadium in the world. So it's got to be, it's got to be there with we'll the roof it. with the roof closed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have it the Millennium with the uh, with the roof closed. Fantastic, Phil. It's been an absolute joy to chat to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed hearing. Uh, hearing about all those selections and, uh, and some of the players you've, uh, you've played with and coached over the years. Pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, uh, to go down memory lane, if you like, and realise how, uh, how blessed I've been to be involved in, in rugby for 30, 30, 30 plus years. So thank you. No, thank you. Actually, I'll tell you one, one final thing, actually, is over, the, over the, the, kind of the three or so years we've been running this, I've been assembling a... Um, an attacking scrum team of my own, of people we've had on, on as guests. And uh, some positions have been stronger than others, right? So, you know, have a little listen to this side and then tell me what you think, right? Okay. So full, at fullback, we've got Phil Steele. Yeah, top on, man. The top man. And uh, on the right wing, we've got Jamie Roberts. He's, he's doing a job for us out of position, but he did play there a, a bit, you know, when, yeah, he, was, he, did, uh, when he was younger. Yeah, fullback, yeah. Hooky slotting in at 13. Yeah, really. So, Try to sign him. Brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, magnificent player. He was great fan as well. Um, Sonny Parker at twelve. Yeah, nice one. Ben Ben John again doing a job for us on the wing. Playing in the twenties with me, Ben John, top yeah, guy, lovely guy, Ben. Uh, and then half backs of Di Bishop and Sean Connor. 
Oh, forget about it. Too combative. Die, bitch. <laughs> you know what, bitch? What a player he was. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and and what a character he was as well. That was uh, that was a very fun. Uh, that was a very fun morning when we met him. Um, and then in the pack, we got uh, I, I got Martin Madden. He's again, he's doing a job for me on the loose because he's he's more of a tight edge. But I'm sure he, I'm sure he could do a job there. Elliot D at hooker. That's not bad, is it? You know, current, oh, current top player. I like him. I like him. I'm Martin. Yeah, good yeah. choice. Adam Jones at tight head. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you're now in a, at uh, at lock, Phil. Okay, I'm happy with that. Thank which you. is the good news. That the bad news is is that it's me alongside you. I'm oh, sorry, so you're can... the manager. <laughs> I, I, you jump, you jump in the line. Now it's not pushing the scrums. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Phil, it's been uh, yeah, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. Top manager. Thanks a lot, man. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Podcast Network.